What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the video store for the essential episode of Late Fees with the essential employees, of course, all of us <laughs> <laughs> at full power. I am Justin, of course, here with Cam, Pafif, and Eric, back from a long vacation on this fucking show. <laughs> oh, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? Where am I? Where, where are you? you are are you speaking into the mic? Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Eric, you look like you've aged about fifteen years. I think we all look younger, but you. It's the mustache. I feel like I was older. <laughs> Cam's long hair is is kind of jarring. Cam looks like he is the character in a horror movie that just got to college. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely dying soon too. Yeah, like, you are. You are Trey Songs on Texas Chainsaw 3D. I, yeah, I, I look. I look like the character in a horror movie who's been in college for way too long. Yes, <laughs> you do. You definitely look like the stoner guy that will unknowingly, unwittingly give the killer weed. Uh, uh, <laughs> can I help you? <laughs> so yes, of course. Uh, we 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 would love to, or or we would like to say, you know, thank you guys for listening. It's been a while. Uh, all of this corona pandemic COVID stuff has us all in different parts of the city. Of course, we're still in the same city, but we decided we needed to just get back on the horse, do something creative. And I mean, here we are back with you on Late Fees. We have a really fun episode. I feel like we I, I wanted to we wanted to kind of have this episode be like part of real life as dystopian as possible, but also <laughs> just ridiculous because it's literally our life right now. So yeah. like, of course, we are talking about uh, we're pitting two two franchises against each other in Resident Evil and Underworld. Two completely, you think they're on different sides, but these franchises ran the 2000s and, and some of the 2010s. They're, we're, these movies are crazy. Uh, these movies, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're talking about like movies that came out originally in 02, 03, and they yeah. both had their final movie in like the last five years or so insane uh, uh some of the only franchises uh some of the action action basically invented the action horror genre in the modern sense and two of the only franchises that have for every single movie had really recognizable celebrity female leads yeah strong female leads how do you feel about the females in the movie eric the women yeah females <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, um, these represent like a, a cultural anomaly in many ways. Like this movie started in 2003 before Two. 2002. Yeah. yeah. About three, four years before the Marvel 2.0, um, like reboot sort of happened. Like the cult, no, six years. Yeah. 2008 was Iron Man. Um, I, I want to talk about that later on, or maybe now. I don't know. I don't think. Go ahead. Finish. Finish. Yeah. Sorry. It, it just. It's. It's so funny that we have two separate, two decade defining franchise, almost superhero esque movies that sort of just exist on this alternate plane. Like no one really talks about them, but they do very well or well enough, at least internationally, to like fund the next three you know like yeah. yeah i didn't i didn't look up re's box office numbers but underworld's box office numbers are fucking insane yeah. re re actually yeah. over a, over a billion dollars <laughs> like yeah. they, underworld performed a little lesser here they all 
all these movies do well overseas, but like Eastern Europe. Yeah, e- even domestically, <laughs> Resident Evil performed a little better. They usually clear like the seventy-five million mark, but overseas they do like two fifty. Yeah, yeah. And, and we just don't talk about them. And obviously, I you know, uh, sexism definitely has something to do with that. The, yeah, uh, the first Resident Evil, one hundred three million. Yeah, on a thirty-three million dollar budget. Jesus. And yeah, it, it that should have. I mean, there was definitely a a attempt to sort of capitalize on this fame of like female-led um, sci-fi, sci-fi horror action films. You know, we had like Eon Flux and 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 movies like that. That sort of even of, Electra. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but these movies stood the test of time, and without like a intellectual property brand behind them, which is no no easy feat. I mean, well, Resident Evil. It's what? The video game. That's true. That's true. But, but I would say, actually, the movie, I mean, it's partially because Mila's character is not based on anybody from the video games. They just rotate people from the games into the franchise. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's, but it's not like a singular corporation. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's more like, it's, it's more like uh, it, they, they, were, they almost did a pretty good job of establishing the movie world separately from the video game world, even though it's based on probably one of the two or three most successful video game franchises of all time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. For like the lay, the lay person, like who doesn't have that nomenclature of like video game to movie pipeline. Like I, I had no idea. I knew, what yeah. Tomb, I knew what Tomb Raider was, obviously. Yeah. But like, I didn't know that this was like, Tomb Raider like stood out as a video game because of Laura Croft. Like the woman was bigger than the game itself. Yeah. Like this, I, I had no idea. And it's, these movies literally have been going on for almost 20 years. <laughs> It's a testament to, to that sort of lane that they occupy. Yeah, it, it, it is definitely. And the thing is, I get what you're saying because Alice is in none of the video games. She is not in a single Resident Evil game. Like she, and some of the characters in these, in these movies are not in the games at all. And I'll, I'll talk about where they diverge because I went, I went ahead of, our, uh, of, the, of the roadmap today. Uh, but, but you also are probably going to be able to speak the most on the, the franchise itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, how do you want to do? Are we just gonna do it? Start with Underworld, or go in order like Underworld, Resident Evil, Underworld, Resident Evil. I think we just do the one to one, and and we go that way. One to one, Underworld one, Resident Evil one. Then we do Evolution and, and Apocalypse. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's start with Resident Evil then, since we we're already on the topic of it. Yeah, yeah. Evil, uh, directed, but and, and there's a there's a really good gag to Resident <laughs> Evil. I think we need to just get it out of the way already. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, directed by Paul W S. Anderson, not Paul Anderson. Okay, guys, oh, oh. let me let me just let me just spoil it for you. I do know the difference. I do know who is who. Uh, can, can, I, can we just say? Sorry, Eric. Go ahead. I was gonna say just as a friendly reminder to maybe some new listeners, uh, this gag became an all timer, <laughs> solidified in the in the and uh, in, in, with the comedy gods amongst our friends when um, me and Justin went to go see Power Rangers and. There, I think it was the trailer for the final Resident Evil 2016. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, right before the house lights go down, Justin, like the, the trailer ends, the, the real <laughs> start. Tra- Justin just leans over to me and goes, You know, Paul Thomas Anderson directs that, right? <laughs> and then the actual movie we were watching started, so I couldn't like rebut him, so I had to sit with that for two hours. <laughs> my man thought the same guy who made phantom thread was making the fucking resident evil movies though. wouldn't that be great like can we just oh, act like that 
I want to see Paul Thomas Anderson's Resident Evil. He probably the the craziest it. thing is, okay, we have Paul Thomas Anderson and we have Paul W.S. Anderson. But then we also have Wes Anderson and W.S. sounds a lot like Wes. So the wow. whole thing is very, uh, it's they're very cousins. confusing. They're cousins. They're, they're cousins. Well, he used to be just Paul Anderson when he directed like the Mortal Kombat movie back in 1995 yeah. and that movie Super Soldier or whatever with Kurt Russell. But um Maybe he did that on purpose because, like, it, he did. It does crack me up to think of this guy who is obviously made millions and millions of dollars off these fucking like Resident Evil movies. Who like <laughs> he exists. In, like, he wrote movie. every Paul W. S. Anderson wrote every <laughs> Resident Evil movie. All but six like, of them he wrote. Like, them. what Hollywood parties does he go to? Like his his version of Hollywood is probably so seedy and gross. Like, I fucking <laughs> love it. He's like, uh, Bizarro, he just made a, made a million dollars with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, directed in 2002 by uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, this this movie took a very long time to come together. A German production company by the name of Constantine, Constantine Film bought the rights to Resident <laughs> Evil. That sounds in, about right. In January 1997, George Romero was connected to this. There were a lot of people connected to this movie. Uh, eventually, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson got the job uh, when he developed the script and they, and they eventually chose the script and uh, they pretty much gave him full reign on this franchise. He is the Kevin Feige of Resident Evil. Uh, yeah. As you'll see, as you'll see from the rotating group of directors that's tried to do it. He's really to me, the only one that's done the best ones, but uh, 2002 movie releases uh, based on the PS one video game of the same uh, name. This has a lot of, I know Eric, you probably never played it. I'm pretty sure Cam, you've played the first game before. before. Yeah. I've played the first one. Uh, Pat, you played the first game. I think you're going through the first game right now. I, I've been going through the first game for like five years. I cannot get <laughs> With the past. controls? I can't get past the first zombie. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I play, I play like, my, I spent all my time playing what are allegedly like the hardest games ever created. And then I cannot beat the, I can't get past the first zombie in Resident Evil. How about you, Bleak? I've only, I've only played two video games in my life, and that's Tony Hawk <laughs> and Golden Eye. <laughs> Uh, based on the on the first game, and and I must say, this movie got a lot of really bad reviews when it came out. Um, I think time has done well for this movie, and even rewatching it, I I really enjoy this movie. Still, it's the most faithful of all of probably any video game movie other than like Sonic, which I really also like this year. Yeah, I would say probably until Sonic or Detective Pikachu, depending on pick your poison, it's probably yeah. the best video game movie until those two. Yeah, yeah, like I I saw this like when I was like probably like 11. There we go. So no, age like, watch. <laughs> clearly, after, clearly after it's released. And so, you know, when you watch movies as a kid, you aren't able, you aren't thinking of what critics are saying or anything like it. Yeah. Or, you don't even know that exists. Even, exactly. Or and you're not even watching it critically. Like to see anything. I just knew it was based off a video game that I played. And so I enjoyed this movie a lot when I was younger, just because like, it's a fucking movie based off a video game. It's a horror movie. It's guns, blood, violence. Like, anything a kid isn't allowed to watch is in this movie. So I enjoyed it. And then, like like Justin said, re-watching it, um, it actually is pretty good. And not that I was expecting it to be bad. I just haven't watched it in a while. And so it, it makes me question, like, what was the reasoning behind it being panned, like, at I the think, time? I think I the culture, like, the video game culture... Yeah. That type of culture was not accepted back then. I think a lot of people thumbed their nose at this. Uh, 
yeah, this being a movie, they were thumbing their noses at comic book movies too. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was 18 years ago at this point. Everybody who's like 35, 40 years old now and is like ruining culture by being the biggest fucking nerds of all time now that they're in charge. They weren't in charge <laughs> when this came out. They weren't taken seriously at all. So, yeah, okay. you know, it just it didn't have the influence. Yeah, it's been one of the greater like, like pop cultural propaganda victories of the last 15 years to like elevate certain cape movies and video game movies to like the realm of high art yeah. and i have to say that some aren't some actually are good and i'll give them that but they were pretty good back in 2002 too like yeah we just took ourselves way more seriously or just deluded ourselves into thinking that the stuff that we're watching now is just somehow inherently better which i don't buy you want to talk about this exact thing i just constantine films i just watched the other day for the first time in about 10 years constantine with keanu so it's yeah. so good it it's could only movie. exist it, these two movies only exist really in a post matrix universe yes but everything changed yeah everything changed and we're really going to talk about that in a second because the opening of resident evil isn't in a post 9 11 movie oh my god uh, <laughs> but uh the uh, sorry, I don't even. I, I, I'm now thinking about the people in the elevator a year after 9/11. I'm like, oh, uh, crazy. Well, uh, well, fuck it. Let's talk about the yeah, opening yeah. sequence. Uh, Resident Evil, of course, for for those that don't know, is about a group, uh, a military team that goes into a mansion to find uh, some scientists that that have literally been missing, and, and they've unlocked this virus in the lab, and they're, they're there to to basically you know, put a lid on it. Uh, but you also have Alice played by Mila uh, Jovovich. Jovovich. Uh, who, who wakes, she's Alice. She will be a constant throughout this, this. She's in every single movie, but she is the new character, the added character into this franchise. Wakes up and you'll see this as a trope in a lot of Resident Evil movies. She wakes up a lot. With no, with no memory <laughs> of what's going on. So she has, she has amnesia. And the first scene, I think that what these movies do well, like better than anyone is showing you like the, the gravity of the situation that it is literally the lab shutdown scene where, as Pat said, there's one person. And I remember seeing this in the theaters. I saw this the week it came out. I did too. Where uh, the, the woman gets her head caught in the, the elevator. believable to what I saw this at home on DVD as a kid. And I remember just sitting in the yeah, basement, same. like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the type of thing where like, as a kid, like, as, as between being between being like uh my, my general anxiety and being like upper middle class and catholic i was basically incredibly afraid of anything that might have any practical uh like i i, I have a great big fear of like an elevator cutting somebody in half i'm afraid of escalators crunching <laughs> someone like all the types of accidental stuff like that i as a kid i had like an intense fear of no, yeah. i'm with you 100 percent don't watch Final Destination. Well, no, no I was just about to say the, yeah. the 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 roller coaster scene is probably exactly why I've never gotten on a roller coaster. Thank you, thank you, and I never will. <laughs> this uh, is like this is like when we went to we were at Disney World with Justin. He's like, yeah, I go on everything, and then we get there, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going on that one. Like, yeah, what no. the fuck are you talking about? You lied to me. I'm rocking with I'm, I'm with Justin. I, roller coaster. I lied to get you, I lied to get you in the building. I'm going uh, on everything. <laughs> I'm going on every ride. So, I mean, and this movie is a ride because what I do love is that, as Eric says, it is the prototype of the action horror uh, movie. At the, at the time this came out, Resident Evil 2 had just dropped, Resident Evil 3 had dropped, The Cold Veronica had dropped, those, all, those, all the core games had come out. So we're basically going back in time to redo these games, but they didn't have the action element yet. 
uh, we would be a little, a couple years before Resident Evil 4, which would literally change everything. And we'll talk about that later too. But uh, it, there, is, there is, this movie is literally cut like a, a music video from the late 90s, early 2000s. A lot of new metal, a lot of Slipknot is in this a movie. Of, a lot of Prodigy esque music videos not, yes. not prodigy uh, <laughs> slap my bitch up prodigy yes a, a lot of that goes on here I, I just want to talk about the look like the look of this movie is just like it's like techno horror like, the the very... look of the look is why this i mean for among other reasons but the look of this one and like being kind of like a a little like i think resident evil looks a little schlockier uh than you know I'd say Underworld ultimately kind of looks. Underworld look probably looks a little more uniform and intentionally designed. But yeah. because it's just like black and blue, uh, it looks kind of shitty. And Resident Evil, <laughs> even though some of the effects haven't aged very well, no, it, it looks insane. The, do- the dogs in the movie look like they are covered in hamburger. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they look a lot better in two, I'll say that. Well, that's CGI mostly in two. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. But uh, so they they it, 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 I forgot to mention Michelle Rodriguez in this movie. Yeah. One of her first one of her first yeah. roles. Uh, she does return also in this in the I, franchise. Oh, this is what I wanted to say earlier to Eric, uh, or in response to Eric, is these movies actually they beat the. Uh, I mean, I'm saying Marvel, but they beat a lot of these newer uh, franchises at their own game. I mean, people uh, characters die, they come back. I mean, everything <laughs> that Fast and DC and Marvel and Star Wars, everything all these franchises are doing now. Resident, Resident Evil, Evil was doing all that shit. <laughs> yeah, the, the cliffhanger endings, they've yeah. been doing yeah. that in, in, since the beginning. Just ending the movie with, you know, wait, uh, there's a, I'm in front of a million new monsters. <laughs> Cut, cue the slip, not slam the credits. <laughs> See in four years. Uh, but but I, I, one thing this movie did remind me of a lot was Aliens. And I know people will probably like kill me for this, but I, th- I thought it reminded me of Aliens. I, I think that you have this military group of a bunch of tough guys and gals and they're going into a, an unfamiliar place. And I love the way the movie opens up every 10 to 15 minutes with something new. So you get zombies, then you get dogs, then you get the, the creature called the liquor uh, from yeah. Resident Evil 2. And I love the way that they meshed. Because Resident Evil 1 had a bunch of crazy stuff in it. Like if you haven't played it before, it has a, a huge snake. It has like these skinless green reptilian things. Yeah. They don't show up in the movie. And it's, it's kind of, I think, in a good way, a byproduct of... Um something kind of you know the american zombie movie but out of i mean resident evil came out of japan cap you know it's it's bio originally called biohazard and it's a game out of japan yeah. uh and so i think that's why you get like a stuff that is kind of outside of the tradition of the genre a little yeah. bit like snakes and stuff like that in a good way but what i did love about this is that the movie understands the game there are a lot of parts in the game where there are traps and the movie has a bunch of traps, namely being in this in this scene brought down the house back in the day. This I is remember it. everybody loves it. Everyone talked about this scene. This was the scene that you went to go see this movie for the laser corridor scene, <laughs> yeah, where uh, where about half of the cast is killed <laughs> within the first ten minutes, including the captain of the whole thing. How do you guys feel about this scene when you watched it before versus eighteen years later when you're watching it again? It was shocking the first time to see. I mean, just because it was like, oh, they, like these guys, I mean, A, they never stood a chance. It's a very R-rated thing at a time in my life when that was one, this was one of the first hard R things I'd ever seen probably. Um, and it, then even when I, 
when it was like, oh, this movie isn't accepted as good. But then you get to college and a little older and like once I'm without here, you talk to people and everybody knows this scene. I mean, even if a movie has many elements that make it technically bad, this and other scenes in it are scenes anybody our age knows, anybody can talk about, and most people really fucking like. I mean, it's yeah. an all-timer. Also, um, I, I remember seeing this in theaters too, and uh, I don't know. I love this motif of like hot laser. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, right on the coattails of Entrapment with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones doing the laser thing. The laser. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just when it turns into the grid it's just such a funny fuck you it's it's such a great yeah. gag yeah, like, exactly you, like you i remember have... seeing yeah go, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead i was gonna say yeah i remember when i saw this as a kid like like i'm sharing the same sentiments as pat pretty much like seeing this for the first time it was just one of those things like you have a sense of helplessness pretty much because yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. As, as it keeps going on you realize there's like no way that this guy is gonna escape and then once you see it turn into like the grid pretty much and and kills the uh, the head of the group pretty much like it's like one of those things is like incredible to see and like i said rewatching it when we were when i was rewatching it the other day it was when i got to that scene i immediately text you guys and <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I forgot how crazy the scene was and it is one of it like that that's one of the things from when i remember seeing it as a kid and, and just remember watching it now again like i just don't just i just still it, it didn't click for me how something like this great <laughs> could be yeah. Yeah. like panned because it's, it was like incredible to see. Can we yeah. talk briefly just about how much both of these franchises love somebody getting like really cleanly cut in half and then kind of like falling Sliding. over after it happens. It happens in every, every, all four of these movies. Yeah. I mean, it happened, it happened literally right uh, during the laser scene. Uh, let's, let's zoom through Resident Evil part one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the crux of, of, of the plot here is that they're trying to look for the the antidote and they get double crossed by, by Matt who is it's really convoluted but still yeah, like it simple does, because it's like Alice base, is yeah. <laughs> Alice is like married to this guy who we knew was a douche the whole time and then he it ends up being the guy working for Umbrella the pharmaceutical company again yeah, like, parallels to this to like what's yeah. going on right now I got, is I got bars ready <laughs> and can we just say like this is less than a year after not just 9-11 so there's a building disaster in this movie but a crucial part of 9-11 that people often forget about is the anthrax shit that happened immediately after yeah and when you see the guy you know it turns out uh alice's husband before they both had their minds wiped uh or whatever uh, when you see him like throwing the thing and just watching it shatter it's like, wow, people must have actually been terrified of shit like this. <laughs> they thought this shit was coming in the mail. Yeah. It was timely. It was really timely. And, and Eric, what was the what were the bars you had for for, I mean, it's, it's for Umbrella? Yeah, I mean, it, it gets more towards the end. I got just the parallels to, to COVID and sort of this, the privatization of medicine and these, and like G Gilead, the company who's basically like- Umbrella. Milking the COVID. Uh, they have like a, a patent and monopoly on- um, I'm privatizing the what could be a, a cure for COVID until like they can generate enough, you know, a slush fund for it. Uh, just how we're going to be at the whims of these kind of corporations all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I got more later. I, I got, I'm saving it up. This one, this one was less heavy-handed. That's why I think I like it so much because it's like, and it's the the same rings true for for um, Underworld. How there's this like. I forgot what these movies were like without like a political valence to them. Like none of them, <laughs> yeah. are, none of them are trying to make a statement or, be, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? It's, 
they did it without thinking slapping you across the face with it which is like i was like oh yeah this pop culture used to just be pop stuff and not political and uh they still did it in smart ways, but yeah. That's- yeah, I, and that's the thing that, that's big to me about Resident Evil 1, not to belabor the point, is that it's like, it's strangely really smart for a movie that is about zombies and, and monsters. It's, it's about regaining your, your memory, regaining your, your own identity. It's, it's about, you know, basically being betrayed and showing the corporations do not care about you and that and the big pharma is, is the enemy. Yeah, like this literally, is what this movie's about. literally every single like it's it's it almost seems on the nose now but literally every single resident evil movie ends with like basically another umbrella cleanup team coming in and mm-hmm. selling a new story to the government mm-hmm. so like there's like exposition at the beginning of every one of these movies that that's what happened <laughs> uh but i mean obviously we have at the end uh the liquor creature mutates again a homage to resident evil uh, and they and they kill it in a very graphic way. These, these movies are really violent, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're it's R. It's it, extremely violent. That she stabs his, his tongue. He fucking gets dragged by a train at 400 miles per hour. He dies. We get the cliffhanger of Alice showing up in the city, and of course, we go to Resident Evil Apocalypse. But before we do that, Underworld Part One. Let me tell you, before <laughs> I watched this movie, I thought these movies were a lot different than what they were. And I don't know if anyone else feels the same or, or has experienced the same, but I used to catch these movies in the beginning, the middle, and the end. So I never knew what was going on in between. Yeah. yeah. So, so I would see it on sci-fi and I'd just be like, oh, okay, cool. That's and I'd like, yeah, and I'd cut it on and I'd go walk away or I'd go on my computer. Or yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be like, I'll watch the like whole thing someday. Exactly. So color me shocked as to how, <laughs> how crazy and, and insane and comfortable polluted this fucking movie it's two hours and three minutes it was way long. too long yeah the first one way too long. i mean it was it was yeah i mean i don't know it's it's way too long <laughs> it's super long it's way too uh, long it, all, all the scenes look the same like literally they all yeah. look the same and it's just so self-serious uh it's it like, is what? it's kind Un- of boring underworld is the cinematic equivalent of an evanescence t-shirt yes yes i i was gonna say it's evanescence core and i i think that okay it came out a year after resident evil 2003 literally almost damn near to the day or to the month uh i think it came out like also, September, also screen gems they were printing the money with these two directed by lynn wiseman who also wrote the story and, and kevin uh Griveaux. they created this world and i think one thing i can't fault these movies for is that they create this world but you're, you have to either be all in and really fucking with it or you're not going to like these movies. And yeah. to me, it felt like Twilight light. And I was like, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to get into this at all. It has like, it is like Evanescence because it not only has like, this like, like you know, we're shooting shit. Like it's really operatic, all that. But it also has like this weird, like chemistry-less <laughs> romance at the center of it. Like, I don't, it, I don't get it. And they extended to two movies. Okay, uh, before we bury the lead, the first movie. Think of these. Look at the people that are in this movie: Kate Beckinsale, uh, Scott Speedman, Michael Sheen, Bill Nye. Like everyone in this movie, <laughs> they were they were paying them up the ass for this. Yeah, and, and I mean, Michael tell. Sheen actually, for as serious of an actor as he like has a reputation for being, he was in this playing a vampire in costume. And then a few years later, <laughs> he was in Twilight playing a heavily costumed vampire in a shitty movie. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because the Kate Beckinsale aspect of this is mind-blowing to me too. Like, Mila she did Jovovich, six of them. 
Mila Jovovich did Resident Evil and became the face of, of the franchise. She had, after she did um, uh, Fifth Element and Fifth like Element. she'd done some action films before, so she had this pedigree. And she also had like, she did a bunch of indie movies. So she, we, she had a, a core understanding of what her persona was. Like, this is basically Kate Beckinsale's like first movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> Kate Beckinsale also did like, she did like Whit Stillman movies in the 90s and she did Serendipity in 2001. Great 9-11 story around that we got to get to. Um, but I, I was like trying to like dig, but I was like, I was talking to my girlfriend, Noelle. I was just like, what is Kate Beckinsale known for? And it's like, she's known for these movies, which is like insane to me. Like, yeah, like she's, she's the underworld woman. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and like while I was doing my research, I kept getting her and Kara Knightley mixed up. I was like, no, she was in like the Pirates movies and shit. And I'm like, no, she wasn't. Yeah. Uh, this. She yeah. spent her whole decade doing this. I know. And like, and like what an odd, like for as big as her name is, like you said, the, we know Michael Sheen is like the sort of prestigious kind of thespian. And like when I think of Kate Beckinsale, her name sort of outweighs the effort or like the the output, I guess. Like she's made like yeah. movies that I've seen, but like she we treat her like a superstar. It's kind of, it's really weird. Yeah. Oh, and can we just mention Bill Nye had to have spent between this movie and playing Davy Jones, the man spent more time in makeup trailers in the two thousands than he did sleeping. Like, yeah. it's insane. Or actually acting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Underworld, the basic crux of this is, once again, a shadowy uh, Underworld. Well, well, I, well, here's the thing. I thought this movie was, like, Blade with a, with a woman. It's and, like, yeah, it is. It's like, it, it's like Blade and, um, it's like Blade. Way less entertaining. It's like Blade plus Twilight, basically. <laughs> Which said way less entertaining, Cam. Way less entertaining than Blade. Yeah, it's Blade and Twilight, but somehow with no, zero of the, Swag. Uh, it's all uh, the, the worst like, characteristics, or the or the humor, like none of the humor or like self awareness of Blade, and like somehow even more morose than Twilight. That's not that's not easy. To yeah, do. <laughs> um, I think I think Pat hit the nail on the head with why this movie like fell short for me personally. It's like not even the fact that it's long; it's the fact that it literally looks the exact same from beginning <laughs> to end. Like it's like you're watching one long scene. It's like yeah. it's never anything different. And I think that was like when I when I'm watching, I'm like it felt like I was watching the movie for like three and a half hours, and I looked up and I was only forty five minutes in. <laughs> like yo, like like she's just now getting to Scott Speedman's house. Like I'm like fucking annoyed. Like you know. <laughs> so you the movie revolves around Kate Beckinsale character of Celine, who is a vampire who uh, they're called death dealers who hunt lichens, AKA werewolves. Uh, she finds herself. It's, of- that's the most 2000s thing. It's vampires and werewolves. <laughs> like, just call them that. She is, she is uh, drawn to uh, this guy named Michael Corbin, who's being targeted by the lichens for some unknown reason. And after he's bitten by one, she has to, she decides she can't kill him. And then she goes deeper into the conspiracy about the lichens and the vampires and a secret pact. And there's a lot of exposition in this movie. I think it's mostly like a lot, like really long exposition and 10 minute action scene. Like I was tired by like an hour, 40 yeah, minutes. In. Like I was tired of this movie. Like there's just such a like, 
I mean, so many things on like in the 2000s, especially up until like 07, 08, basically until Obama got elected, everything felt like an evanescent song or an energy drink in some <laughs> kind of way. And this one really does. And so like a certain contingent of guy will, or gal, a certain contingent of person will just always love this type of movie. But like, go watch Blade or Hellboy or The Matrix. Like all of these movies have better versions of what is in Underworld, basically. Especially Hellboy, now that I think about it. And going back to the just the anomaly of Beckinsale's career, like right after she did this, which like, again, it wasn't a zeitgeist defining movie, and yet we define her sort of celebrity around it. It was. It did $95 million. It, it did. It did On a $22 fine. million dollar budget, yeah. yeah. All of these did relatively well, but like none that like sort of redefined like, oh, this is a record shattering. But I guess we're so used to every one of these movies becoming – a billion seller yeah like this was probably just par for the course and like a in a good way but like it's because this movie is made for like people who actually rent movies at Redbox, and the marvel movies are like come here and wear a costume that you also paid us two hundred dollars for this is your personality that we made you pay for yeah Um, (laughs) but she did fucking van helsing right after this too which is just shocking she couldn't get away yeah she couldn't get away. And I haven't seen. I haven't seen Van. I mean, Van Helsing is another thing that I thought at the time. I just assumed it was cool because it had monsters and like Hugh Jackman is Van Helsing, right? Yeah. Uh, it's but people hate it. It's reviled. It's reviled. Yeah, it's, it's up there with like Jonah Hex. Like of like what the fuck? Misfire. Yeah. Yeah. Like John Carter. So <laughs> so compar- comparatively of the two. Uh, Celine, of course, tries to awaken Bill Nye's character, finds out that he's a dick and that he tried to kill all of, He basically betrayed them as well. Lots of There's betrayals like a, and politics between the vampires. It's like a triple cross. There's a really weird... Well, how do you guys feel about Scott Speedman's Nightcrawler look? Because he's like a hybrid lichen vampire. Thing. First of all, Scott Speedman, the most porno name ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he he kind of he kind of looks like a porno actor. Where y'all? His name should be Scott Porno. Like... <laughs> What a king. Um, yeah, I mean, this acting choice is on, on display here, just uh, like next level. Like, I, I kept saying king. Like, it's uh, <laughs> like they really thought they were going for it. And that's, I love movies like that. Like, they, they probably thought this was going to be like the next Blade esque sensation. And, but with like a, with like a, like an air of, you know, like theater to it. Like these are all like classically trained actors doing this. (laughs) Kind of amazing. I mean, I just love that like Speedman was showing up to like just hours and hours of shooting where they were doing this shitty green screen, like caveman werewolf costume on him. And he just had to show up for hours and go like, like that was all he had to do. And get tossed and and get thrown around. And it's like the most, the last scenes are like, they're okay, but it's like, this movie, once again, is very samey. And if you don't buy into the underworld logic, you're never going to like these movies. Yeah. And I think that's why I, I was so... I was a little bit higher on this one than I was Evolution. Because Evolution is literally somehow shorter, but also worse. I actually... I, I, uh, they kind of balanced out for me, ultimately. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. But, but uh, I, I always associate these on steep decline. Underworld, steep decline, like in order, as Resident Evil quality increases for me yeah absolutely um in general i mean how do you guys feel about this which, which one of these are we gonna we're gonna put them together and which one of these wins out as far as movies so far in the, in the franchise I mean, battle oh easy easily resident evil yeah. 
as far as the better movie, uh, just on on an individual stasis uh, basis, is Resident Evil. I would say we keep both in the store just because of you need the first even of Underworld to like to understand. Uh, yeah, to, like, and just to like there is a fifteen year spanning franchise here. That, <laughs> That that is that is an accomplishment in itself, and we should talk about that. But like, they're not that good. But we, we I'll keep both. But obviously, I'm I'm team Resident Evil. I think the key to both of these franchises, before we go on, is that these movies were necessary in the 2000s because there was nothing like them until we got these big budget blockbusters. There was nothing like them, and it really sucks that because of these movies like Fast and the Furious and things like that like even lesser ones like those that these movies can't exist anymore they just can't fight in the same ecosystem yeah well it's actually this is what I, I lost track of earlier i think when i said like these movies basically are both the matrix enabled both of these two franchises to exist but mm-hmm. then constantine wouldn't have been adapted if these two hadn't been successful yeah. and i i want to say the same is true of hellboy and stuff and constantine hellboy like these are better comic book movies than anything that's coming out now and so it's just like you're saying, like these movies allowed themselves and others like them to exist in a weird pocket that ultimately got obliterated by bigger budget franchises of just way lesser quality. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 but like things like Constantine film, I mean, I think Constantine film might be around. I doubt they're prolific at all, but yeah, it was also like it coincided with the consolidation of all these studios. There's like three people make or three companies making movies now. So like, there's no room for these sort of mid-budget, like, you know, subsidiary companies making these kind of movies anymore. Like, yeah. there's no market for it. It's fucking insane. Yeah, so when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about Resident Evil Apocalypse and Underworld Evolution, two franchises that do not give a fuck if you know which number it is. They're just going to keep putting <laughs> titles until you guess. Uh, so when Nate gets back, we'll finish it up right after this. Checkmate. Move up. What is that? That's what's going to shut the queen down. Delivers a massive electrical charge, scrambles the mainframe, and forces it to reboot. Stay away! I am almost there! I'm coming back! Open the door! I'm trying! I'm trying harder! I'm coming back! 
All right, we are back in the in our homes. We're not in the, in the <laughs> we're in our homes. Uh, this is the Zoom meeting uh, from hell. The new, uh, new on location. Yeah, the new on location is is from our homes. We're we're doing late fees, post COVID, pre COVID, during COVID, battle royale of Resident Evil versus Underworld. I am Justin, of course, joined by the pals. We're at full strength today for this litany of zombies, vampires, lichens, werewolves, anything clones. Hi- hybrids. <laughs> hybrids, bioterrorism, bio- all of that stuff. Nemesis. Here with, here with Eric, Cam, and Pat. Uh, we talked about Resident Evil and Underworld in the beginning. We're going to go right to Resident Evil Apocalypse. One thing I did, uh, I, I have to appreciate about both these movies, is that they both leave you on cliffhangers that that pick up immediately after the yes, last movie. Yes, yes. Which they never allow like bigger franchise movies to do that. The only one I can think of that's done recently was, and not recently even, is Casino Royale uh, and Quantum of Solace. Like happened like back to back basically. But yeah. that's, I think that's awesome. John Wick kind of does it. And John Wick exists a little bit in the tradition of, of these two movies. Maybe a little more underworld than anything else, but it, it, I love that. And it, you don't see it that often. Uh, uh, Mila Jovovic returns. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson does not, but he produces and writ- wrote this one. Alexander Witt directed Resident Evil Apocalypse. And it has a lot of, uh, a, a lot of parallels, or not parallels, but direct uh, illusions and and adaptations of two resident evil games resident evil 2 and 3 which uh i think is to the detriment of the movie but it introduces <laughs> at least 10 characters in this movie without introducing to, leon without introducing leon who doesn't appear until the fifth movie pat and and as he's one of the least recognizably cast people of the entire series, I think it's just some European guy, right? Yes, it is a European guy. Uh, one of the things I love about two is they bring in to play Carlos, who I believe is a character from yes. video games. Yes. Uh, he is played by uh, I don't know his name, but he I think oh Dead Fair. Yeah, yes, he's an Israeli actor, I think, and he's in. Um, He's the leader of the Magi in the Mummy franchise. Yes, the yes. guy with Horus the Falcon. I love this guy. <laughs> he was in Deuce Bigelow also, European. Jigger. Yeah, he's the he's the pimp. Yeah, uh, he plays Carlos uh, Oliveira, who is a Brazilian actor. So very interesting casting there. <laughs> but uh, the 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 outbreak is taken to the city. We we see. Let's just be clear here. The movie opens with boobs. You see. <laughs> You see, uh, Mila Jovovich, yeah, the close a close up of a naked woman of her of her like every single part. You see everything. Yeah, it's it's very medical. Yeah, it, it very it very much so is. She walks o- into the scene. Also, something that wouldn't happen in a modern movie. No, not absolutely not. Especially not with somebody like of her stature at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but we see in the intro. I, I, oh, I, say, I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry, but I think that was absolutely like it, it was, of course, male gazy a bit, but like. Someone she had a she has enough sway or had enough sway at this point to say no. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure they I'm sure she was flexing a bit and she's a yeah. supermodel. Like oh yeah, I mean she, she she looks great and I think it does like it 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 isn't like there's obviously there's plenty of nude scenes where you're like oh they just said like oh we got to do this we're gonna give you some money you'll do this it it's not like a I mean it is uh, graphic but it's I wouldn't say it's gratuitous exactly which is I, again surprising for the time. <laughs> yeah absolutely uh this movie was filmed all in canada and i i don't think they were very shy in trying to hide that there's a scene <laughs> where where alice runs down the actual cn tower which is a cam you should know you play my flag you're playing my flag right now <laughs> canada 
Cam, Cam, definitely a a a, a charter member of the, of the Canadian uh, Canadian Union. Uh, so Canadian Foreign it, Legion. There, there. Let's just be clear here. There is no plot in Resident Evil Apocalypse. There, nothing is happening in this movie, but people dying, shooting, and killing things. And uh, it's just classic. Like, oh, we're fighting Umbrella and the zombies right away. Yeah, and uh, you're introduced to Jill, who is played by Sienna. I forget her name. Sienna uh, Guillory uh, plays Jill, who is one of the most iconic characters in Resident Evil fandom. And again, like my biggest issue with the movie is that whereas I love the deviations that the first movie took, this one like doubled down on the fan service. It doubled down yeah. on all of the stuff that we were recognized from two different games that are a varying of at least three hours, four hours between them of content. And they put it in one movie. And I don't feel like it all worked because you can't, I feel like the movies are trying to jerry-rig Alice into Resident Evil instead of trying to create the story around her, which they do later on. That's, that's a good like way to put it. Because she doesn't fit in Resident Evil because she's not a Resident Evil character. There's, yeah. there's a, she's literally right-hooking a, bio, a bioengineer monster in the, in the end. And none of the characters, <laughs> yeah. none of the Resident Evil characters, they're just standing around looking. Like, they're just they're watching, like, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, bro, I, I, pre- I appreciate the fact that Nemesis actually got put in this movie. Like, it can't be any lower than a 5 out of 10 for me just off of this. Like, <laughs> even though everything else around the movie, like, like you said, there's no plot. And the fact that she's actually fighting him hand, hand to hand is insanity but um and of course it's like yeah. oh a guy i knew yeah the the guy from it was matt from the first movie yeah yeah, yeah that, was, exactly. that, was a good, that was a good callback because matt got scratched by the liquor and and it caused him to mutate into the nemesis not really how that happens in the game but again it's it's a it's a, it's a homage to the games so i mean yeah. again a lot of it is oh wait a minute we forgot i've buried the lead like shit here mike epps is in this movie guys <laughs> For no a reason. Lot. For absolutely a lot. no reason. No, okay. I actually think, and I, I like Epps. Uh, I think <laughs> that, though, this was just such a, like, I don't, I mean, I I hesitate to call it, it's, it, I don't want to call it racist, but it's actively trying, it's like, it's stunt casting for an audience that you are trying to get to gravitate toward yes, your video movie. game thing. Because remember, yeah. These things still weren't cool. Resident Evil was like the games were breaking records as far as gaming. But I think that it I think that the producers were very not sold on it being an actual hit outside yeah. of the video game. And that's why they treated it like this. Mike Epps is completely unnecessary. And that's why in the in the, in the movie after this, they dispatch him very, very it, it, It's surprising he makes it usually when a comic would get cast in something like this, like again in this era they'd end up giving him some kind of like a little bit of like a serious tragic death or something. Uh, yeah. And he just, he just makes it in the next movie. The craziest thing about two, honestly, is I was watching it like, man, they are lucky. They limped into three without Larder being in it. Cause she really breathes new life into the oh, she's into great. series. She's she, great. She's a, a top tier character actor that doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. Yeah. She's fantastic. The same way that Mila is like an all-timer action hero. Like she's a hero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, the fact that she like she's as iconic as any of these stupid bullshit uh, tights people today. Yeah, the fact that like Scarlett Johansson gets like hailed as this like you know revolutionary sort of figure in pop culture for playing Black Widow. I'm like, bow down, dude. Like, yeah. I mean, I put Mila <laughs> somewhere like, with like Jacques Claude Van Damme. Like her run was. Is unimpeachable. Yeah, it's it's it's. it's oh, there's not another one like it. 
she she and, and, great fighting. Like she her 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 action sequences look good. It's and not, again not tricky editing. And how you feel about Alice in her her orbit to the Resident Evil series is it really determines how you feel about the series as a whole because this is the movie where she really comes out. She she gains powers. Yeah, I mean, well, we basically <laughs> the first time we see her, the first time the new characters see her in the movie, she absolutely pointlessly rides a motorcycle through <laughs> a stained glass window in in the church. Yeah, it's probably the most famous scene in the movie. Yeah, and it's and, good. It's great. It's great. So, I mean, how do you guys feel about Alice as a whole? Like, I I don't dislike her as much as I did when I was younger. Uh, I I think that she's not, she's a necessary not not a, a evil, but she's a, she's a necessary part of of bridging this story and showing that it's universal. It could be anybody. She's and the chaotic good. Yeah, I I, I don't and, and I know Eric, you're not like as well versed in the games. Obviously, like these games, they're they're. The, the game sets you up as a person that is helpless. You are helpless at all times in Resident Evil games. Literally, you're low on ammo, low on yeah. health. Your back is against the wall. Alice is... She's the, overpowered and shit. Like, she yeah. can't be... It's like she, the antithesis of the video game. Yeah, like the video games, you're, you're reactive. Alice is proactive. And for a lot of people, that made them not like the, the movies. But I think this works in movies. Um, I don't think this is the, 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 the perfect movie to to show her or showcase her, her character or her story. I think the next movies do way better than that because depending on which movie you think does that, there's a point where these, this franchise unhooks from Resident Evil completely and it becomes its own thing and you're, you just have to deal with that. Uh, whether you think it's Extinction or, or Afterlife, personally, I think Afterlife is my favorite one of these movies. They're, Afterlife is really good. But I think in this one, what, where, where it bogs down is that there's too many things being thrown at you at once, too much exposition for the, this popcorn movie and then toward the end, it's just like, it just ends. And, and then you're, you're left with nothing. It goes from being like, all you really have to know in the first one is like, oh, like anybody can pretty much identify evil corporation. Like Umbrella as Resident Evil 1 opens is like basically Apple if they had a medical branch. <laughs> there, uh, it could happen. Yeah, I'm actually, as I say that, I'm like, so basically they're Apple. We just don't know about their medical facilities yet. Uh, but the second one is like, oh, okay, here's... Uh, five to ten other characters who some people in the audience are going to expect certain things from you're going from you're going for it's this is a little bit of alien to aliens because you're going from essentially a haunted house movie to a massive cityscape yeah uh and once they get it's it's funny because once they get out of raccoon city the movies i do think two is a, a little bit of a weak link in resident yeah, it is it is i i think two is by far, and I'm going to go back and watch Retribution and Final Chapter tonight. I'll, I'll bring, I'll come back with my opinions next time we do late fees. But um, I, I think this is the worst of, of, of all of them. I, yeah. I think that it, it's definitely not focused at all. I think that, again, Paul Anderson's direction was needed because a lot of the style has even gone. Yeah, ag against all odds. Like, he, he really did manage to make it like an auteur thing. Yeah, and he knows these movies. He knows them. And I think, again, I, I cannot sing the praises of Afterlife, which I saw today. Again, uh, Afterlife is really good. It's really, really good. And it, it kind of encapsulates everything, the character, the heart of Alice and, and her story. And again, we did not see a strong female character have a run like this in the 2000s. And now it's like, 
it's not even really commonplace. This is the only movie that does it. Like, of course, Wonder Woman, she's going to start with her franchise. Yeah, yeah. Black Widow, whatever. But, like, Alice was that one for us for a very long time. So, And, and it, it is an odd thing because, like you said, I, I didn't have any real grasp of, like, the world building of the video world building of the video game but you know you said she's almost like a what what nerds would call a mary sue like she's good at everything mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. but like she's still a complicated kind of at times not likable character which was absolutely ahead of its time like these superheroes now are just like hyper articulate always have a funny thing to say always kicking ass never lose like mila in this role as alice like you kind of don't like her at times. She makes she's you know makes mistakes and shit, but obviously, she's kind of an asshole. Yeah, she's, she's an asshole, and I, I think that's she's awesome. too powerful. We 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 need we need to have like she was like an antihero. She's part of like the antihero canon. Yeah, and I, I and I mean, you know, you have all these characters once again, and I think again, this just proves that once you lean in a little bit too hard, like it, it just doesn't work. And I think this movie of all of them actually does deserve the reviews that it got, because I, I think that it, again, it, it just became perfunctory sequel, but it was actually more successful than the first one. And that's why this, this franchise. Is yeah. Continued. Yeah. The second one also, I think it's important to mention, like we talked about the first one having so many classic moments, like from the hallway to the elevator. And I think other stuff that we just don't have time to hit on, but the second one really only has the church. Uh, and then even in the other ones, I can think of like, just like the crows and some other stuff off the top of my head. Like they all have better gimmicks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's get to Underworld Evolution. Another cliffhanger continue <laughs> movie. Shorter than the first Underworld, I will give it that. <laughs> uh, but no less, like, there is a scene in this movie in the beginning <laughs> where they actually go outside of like the vampire world and they're in the real world. And you think like, okay, some brightness. Yeah. And uh-uh. No. It, no. It, it, yeah, it, it is Scott Speedman eating what looks like gruel. I don't know where they live at. <laughs> they're, the, the way they're focusing on him eating the shit, I was like, is it poison? What's happening here? Like, what? And then it's just nothing. Like, uh, So they, uh, of course, Kate Beckinsdale and uh, Scott Speedman reprise their roles as Celine and Michael as they try to figure out the the history of Michael while he disappears from the movie for 30 minutes. It just, it just seemed like he didn't want to be in this one, honestly. Yeah. They just bring him back to fight at the end. Yeah. It's, I, it's I, I always wonder what goes through these people's minds. Like, like, <laughs> like, 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 like am I really doing this today? Like, like yeah, they, there's no way they're, like, proud. They have to, like, put on the, the you know. You, you have to assume, I think, that some people, to a certain extent, like, maybe not Scott Speedman. Like, it's not like he did this for 20 other movies but you have to assume, like, when Bill Nye was, like, I mean, he probably only got Davy Jones because of this, but when they were, like, hey, do you want, like, a few million dollars to come dress as an octopus man every day? <laughs> he, like, he, a part of him, other than the millions of dollars, he does kind of like dressing like an octopus man. Like, <laughs> if you didn't like, like, if you, you, even if you don't actively like it, you are getting off if you're sitting in a makeup chair for five hours at a time, just shooting the shit with people. Like it's like getting a tattoo or a haircut or anything. Like it's therapy for some people. And I don't know what it is, but some people who do this shit, I think they just, it, it maybe it's just more of a job than we give it credit for, but they yeah. just like it. They just do it. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, within the first 15, 20 minutes of this movie, you have like two action scenes with, with, with them killing just, weird people the big bad from the first movie gets killed unceremoniously yeah 
by the guy who woke up in the first movie and you have a sex scene. And I, I have to say, whenever we have sex scenes in, in these movies that we watch, I want to I wanna ask Cam his rating of the sex scene. <laughs> so, Cam, what do, you rate, what do you rate the vampire, half-like and half-vampire sex scene between Celine and Michael in Underworld Evolution? This definitely isn't on the level of the the Keanu Reeves and uh, Carrie uh, uh, Carrie Moss. Carrie Moss. Carrie Moss. This is not on the, the level of theirs, in my opinion. That's like the peak. Okay. <laughs> but this this is this is probably a strong like six out of ten. Maybe. Okay. I'll give it a six out of ten. I'll give I, it a six. I, I think it's six because they're so pale, right? Yeah. <laughs> there so, was like, it was a little bit of navel thrusting going on. I think I can't, I can't I can't give you I can't I can never go like low like because like the fact you're pulling off a sex scene and like an actual movie is like always going to be like I have to give you at least a five. So this is one point above a five. I'll give them this is above the bare minimum for me. I, the the speedman's uh. Porn star vibes helped. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. He, he, this is natural habitat, for sure. Like, <laughs> well made for it. So let me try and get this right. The movie starts in, like, the 1200th century uh, with Marcus, Victor, and Amelia, the, the old vampires. But Marcus, not the oldest? I couldn't keep it straight. So, but, but it's revealed from Tannis, who is, like, a, he's like a vampire historian type guy, that Marcus is the first vampire one of the three sons of the first immortal, Marcus was bitten by a bat and turned into a vampire. <laughs> they, yeah, they literally say one of the brothers bitten by a bat, another brother bitten, bitten by, by a wolf. <laughs> and they what were into, they doing? So they, the third son remained human and they, gave, they, they had descendants, which included Michael. And th- this is why they have to be destroyed. And, and everyone, it, it's, this is way more story than I was, I was like, this is literally like, and and then the people like in the movie or the actors, they deliver these lines in like these very Shakespearean. There's one where like Bill Nye is like shaking every time he says a word. And I was like, bro, that's how he talks like this. That's how he's talking. (laughs) (laughs) With the prosthetic in his mouth and everything. It is, Eric, how did you feel about the acting or like the, the Shakespeareanness of Underworld, because this is where it really comes out. And the movies don't cease. They, they don't come down from this for the rest of the franchise. Well, that's what, that's kind of my whole thing was like, they had to have convinced themselves. They're like, these classically trained actors have to convince themselves they're doing Hamlet. Like this is, <laughs> they're playing in the back of the room. They're like speaking, like they're, they're sharing a frame together, but they're like looking off, like past the other person. It's <laughs> like really like grand, you know, just poetic, flowery statements um they're all good actors so it works but it's like that's that's what i'm kind of getting at i'm like this has to be eating at them alive like <laughs> I, I played richard the third damn it like why am i doing this um, so so after a really violent attack from marcus uh scott speedman disappears essentially from the movie for the last 30 to 45 minutes i was trying to like do research on why this was i could only guess and do like my own mind theory here that he probably had to do some other shit or just didn't want to be a part of it because it was just such a shit show because actually after this movie he never shows up again and they get married (laughs) (laughs) amazing so uh we get to basically essentially there's a part where celine drinks the blood of this lichen the oldest guy yeah the oldest guy and she becomes corvinus corvinus 
and she becomes a listen these names pal yeah Can, let me say as <laughs> as much as i like the resident evil franchise a lot more than the underworld franchise you gotta you gotta be happy that a franchise when they're talking about the sons of corvinus <laughs> are when, serious when that when that was around for 15 years you got I, i'm happy about that that makes me glad <laughs> but this is this is essentially and I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way this is essentially like what popped off the twilight uh hot topic era of this shit like I, that's what i see like yeah. remember when people were like eric remember when people were wiccans back in the late 90s like this is just a natural progression of <laughs> this was our like this like uh tipper gore and nancy reagan were freaking out about like the sat- satanic panic and like <laughs> devil worshiping like this this was just our dumb bush era culture's response to that like no we're gonna like to be werewolf and vampire worshippers <laughs> we're gonna bite each other we're gonna Actually, bite no, each other I'm, I'm, uh, you, you, you tried to make the worst America possible but instead I'm going to see the fourth evolution movie or the fourth underworld movie and I'm chugging a Nas energy drink on my way there you'll never stop me <laughs> that, that, that was like rebellion in, in the mid aughts um, I want to talk about how, uh, real quick how violent this movie is. You see several impalings uh, with wings, with a pipe. Uh, you see someone destroyed, completely obliterated by helicopter blades. I like uh, that see, a lot. <laughs> you see a lot of, of like really bloody like gore, gib shots of people being shot. Also, the guns in the movie don't work, right? Like they don't work. All, I, right? I don't i i, I kind of checked out on the guns after because they're so they it's like they think the guns are so sick like and there's all these shots of guns and like there's so many shots of holsters and stuff but like <laughs> as long as you have silver bullets you're fine i don't get it like it, i don't understand and excuse us for like not talking about this these movies like the most as far as plot goes i mean they're fairly simple once you like read parse through all of the bullshit but I mean, it essentially goes like one in the same way that Resident Evil does, but just with like worse movies. Like, Celine is the heart of these movies. Kate Beckinsdale, to me, isn't as strong of a protagonist as Alice or Mila is as an actress. I think that they're just very like to me dry and and, and they're like flat. They're like really. They're flat. both. They're both flat. They're both. I think characters are a little intentionally flat, just because. But Mila's works more because she has like this like blank slate kind of thing going on yeah and uh beckinsale i think is i i think she's great i think it's just like the movies are so intentionally dour that sh- she could sing a lot more if that if she was allowed to have a little more fun yeah yeah and, and to be fair we're only judging the first two movies resident evil gets exceedingly better from here I, I caught Underworld 3, but Kate isn't in it, and it's a prequel. So I can't really judge. Yeah, she's in the other ones, though. She's in the other ones, though, I, it, which I, I wasn't able to see before we started doing this. They, but, uh, I, think tried, I think she tried to finally break free. Because like I said, like the whole Underworld franchise feels like something a, a actress who had been pigeonholed prior wanted – or like, like when Adrian Brody won his first Oscar, the first thing he did right after that was like being Predators. He got jacked and wanted to be like an action hero. <laughs> yeah. These movies feel like that, but she never had the run before. She immediately started in this movie. So I think she tried to pivot away for a while. She did like The Aviator with Scorsese. And she did like... She, she did that movie like, Whiteout, but that yeah. was like, that was a graphic novel adaptation. So yeah. she tried to do like, get back to her indie roots and like do like high art stuff and then... I guess that didn't really pinch. She wound up in uh, that Adam Sandler movie, Click, and then she yeah, needed I'm money. She I've, needed I, money. I've never seen Click, but people kind of like Click, don't they? It's it's, it gets depressing. Yeah, it's supposed to be sad. 
It is. It actually is sad. It's pretty fucking sad. It's it's the movie that most people say will is is his last watchable movie before like the Netflix era. Well, they haven't seen yeah. Murder Mystery. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> I like my murder mysteries watchable. Yeah, no, I disagree. This is a murder mystery defense squad. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, but he, he's been back the past, ever since Marowitz stories came out, like past five years, six years. But he had that like- I think, I think three. You might be given Sam. All right, we, are, we have fallen into- we have, the rabbit hole. we have fallen into the, 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 sand, the sand trap. Yep, yeah. we've fallen into the trope of, of Eric trying to give Sandler his flowers. So let's get back on track. Yeah, that, that, that's why- Because these movies, to go back to the original point, the Underworld movies are so self-serious that they kind of like suffocate under their own weight of like- They, they don't need to be this heavy. Like Resident, <laughs> Resident Evil found a way to be fun and- gross and violent and and gnarly. awesome yeah these movies the resident evil movies got stuck in mud so uh underworld, you know underworld uh, movies sorry, sorry underworld movies yeah. yes underworld evolution uh did 113 million dollars box office uh higher than the first one who, who did about 96 million these movies will go on to be hits i, I won't belabor the point here uh between the two uh i, I feel as though again resident evil extinction is just a, a minor a minor uh Course correction from uh from Apocalypse, uh, and I think huge budget like, leap also huge very huge well, evil, well I think. What, or at least it looks better off, I don't know what popped off these movies more than anything and I think it worked for both franchises is 3D 3D hit around 2009 2010 and that's when these the the third and fourth uh, iterations of these movies came out and they were all 3D so they got a 3D bump they got the international bump and they got the the domestic bump and that's why they were so successful and they took advantage of it i think if i had the ability to watch resident evil afterlife in 3d there are many shots where she has like a shotgun and it's filled with quarters yeah and every time yeah. she shoots the shotgun the quarters come out and i'm like wow and that would have been dope to after, see. afterlife is the one that came out in what like 07 08 it came what? out in two in 10 it came on okay there's yeah. I, I don't remember what it was but one night uh when we were in college parker and i went to the movie theater to see resident evil because we ha still had to see it when they were coming out and then and this was whichever one came out in 07. But then we also saw uh, D-War Dragon War starring Robert Forster immediately after. But we didn't pay to see that one. We just walked into the theater. <laughs> but we were the only two people in there. So they knew like no one bought tickets to the movie. But then they showed it anyway. So it was great. Yeah. Anyway, RIP Robert Forster. Uh, so where are we standing here with the franchises? Are we going with my man, director of Phantom Thread, director of Magnolia, uh, Paul Anderson's Resident Evil franchise or are we going with, with Underworld here uh, on Late Fees? Cam, I'll start with you. Uh, Resident Evil pretty easily for me. I did not like either <laughs> one of the Underworld movies. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, like out of all the movies that we watched for this, for this, for this show, like, I have a bold statement to make. Like, these might be the first movies I didn't find not one part of them enjoyable. Like, <laughs> like I was literally praying for the end of both of these movies to come like yeah, it, they're slow like, these, these were extremely hard to watch like out of we we watched uh, countless movies countless films going to see countless films i've been able to find at least one redeemable part <laughs> even for something that i did not enjoy i cannot give anything positive except for the fact that like you said kate beckinsdale she looks amazing every time i see her like she looks amazing in these movies as well i remember her looking amazing when i was a kid she still looks amazing as an adult I'll give her that. Uh, everything else, though, I have nothing positive to say. Resident Evil 1, high replay value. Very high much so. Value. 
the second one, like you said, second one is, is definitely a, a decline in quality as far as the series goes for the two movies that we watched. But like I said, it has enough entertainment in it to where, and goofiness about it as well, in my opinion, to where I can watch it and, and find some enjoyment out of it. I couldn't find any enjoyment out of the Underworld series. So I'm riding with Resident Evil. All right, Pat. Uh, I'm I with a little more forgiveness to uh, Under- you're always forgiving. Resident. Well, I'm just I'm just forgiving. I'm just saying I'm not I I I like Resident Evil or Underworld more than Cam I think, but I'm still obviously on the Resident Evil train. Underworld is just so it's Resident Evil succeeds because it kind of allows itself to be a B movie in a lot of ways because it's a little schlocky and a little more fun and a little messier. Underworld is just too serious. It represents such an era though. I have to kind of give a nod to it. Yeah, but we kind of did that by allowing the first one in the store. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to. I have. I've never actually finished the franchise, but I want to go watch all the Resident Evils now. And I don't know that I'm going to go watch Rise of the Lichens. I'll say that. All right, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be unanimous. Uh, Resident Evil packs the fun and unique world building, the gruesomeness, and actually pretty rad action sequences that I think, yeah, it, the underworld just pales in comparison across the board. I think uh, also like the Resident Evil, not to interrupt you, Resident Evil just had a, a better base. Yeah. Like the video games are just such an easy base for him to write mm-hmm. about. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also like, yeah, it is, and it doesn't take itself as seriously, even though it, I, I think I, I might be contradicting myself here. Um, when I said earlier, I kind of liked watching these movies that don't have a real political valence to them. Or, or at least like some sort of heavy-handed message. But it is nice to watch these movies back in the early aughts and to the mid-aughts of like, oh no, even back then, like these people knew like the, the, the greatest horror was like a multi-conglomerate or a, or a, a pharmaceutical biotech company sort of strangle holding the world. And mm-hmm. that's sort of what these movies are about. Like it's a po- post-apocalyptic movie about a pharmaceutical company. And, and tech companies run amok. Tech companies with no... Uh, oversight and um, that that's you know holds an extra sort of weight today so I like it for both reasons so yeah and and Mila's the god so that's the goddess the goddess Uh, yeah I I echo the sentiments of my brothers here but I also have to say that it feels so great to see you guys faces we're on a zoom call (laughs) it feels so great to talk to you guys again on late fees and we are so so happy to be back and broadcasting to you guys Um, thank you We, we don't have a schedule me and Pat have to talk about a schedule uh, for the rest of, of the shows going forward in this new era. But uh, thank you guys for, for listening to the show. Make sure you follow us at RNC Radio Live. Uh, in case you want to watch along with us, uh, what, what's that, what's that, Eric? I was going to say, before you wrap, you guys want to do a quick round of like what we're watching or anything? Oh, episodes? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Right into it. I got a couple minutes to kill, so. Okay, cool, let's go. Yeah, I want y'all to start it off because I, I I'm I'm sort of in need of Rex. Um, oh wow, okay. Uh, I I I re- I finished The Wire again. Um, what have I been watching? I've been watching a lot of Shutter, and I think Shutter has been my favorite go-to app for the last month and a half on quarantine. Uh, but yeah, that that's been mostly. I haven't seen anything new that I haven't seen with you guys, other than like Bad Boys that we watched a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I uh I watch I've actually watched the most movies I've ever watched in my life at this point uh in the quarantine which I'm very happy about uh but I I watched the new Capone movie uh it is not good uh I love Chronicle uh and I didn't see Fantastic Four because it was supposed to be so fucked so I was really pulling for Trank to get a W uh 
he really went for it and it's really not a good movie uh either i gave it like i think a two on letterbox just because like they you know <laughs> they they went for it like i can't fault him for really going for it but i mean i i hardy's got to do a role where he's not doing one of these voices i don't get it i mean <laughs> he's gotta he's gotta do it it's the, and this is like an all-timer of hardy voices he sounds like when leia goes to save han at the beginning of return of the jedi and she's like in a weird suit that makes her talk like this like that's how <laughs> it's kind of how hardy's talking and i also watched um eric i think you watched this the uh hemsworth netflix uh shoot 'em up movie yeah uh classic like i i didn't love that one either it's just classic like it's got the foreign country filter on it uh it's it's got all of that uh you can skip both of them as far as i'm concerned yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm right there with you we i haven't besides bad education um great movie yeah, I, I watched that too i watched it I, I i thought it was good i thought it was really good like besides that i i haven't seen anything newish that's really blown blown me away. Obviously, I love Bad Boys Three. That was a great watch that I, we did together. Um, but yeah, much like Justin did the big project of redoing The Wire, I'm doing Mad Men scratch. Love wow. it, love uh, it. But I haven't seen it. Like I, I've seen The Wire. I, I I've never watched Mad Men. That, that's like one of the few air prestige quote, prestige quote shows that I quote unquote have to watch, and I'm finally starting it. Me and Noel are loving it, and um, doing Community again. I always do that though. Oh, uh, before I forget, I'm watching X Files for the first time uh, on Hulu. Wow, wow, okay, insane! It's on Hulu. He's amazing. I, he's so fucking cool. Uh, and <laughs> Jillian Anderson's amazing, also. Like it's it's an all timer uh, duo between the two of them. And I've just it's just one of those things where I've always put off watching it, and I just knew like, well, I'm gonna like this when I finally get into it. And it isn't. It's not disappointing. Was there an X Files movie? There's two. Yeah. two. Two of them. Two, yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. I thought so. And I thought one of them was cool. actually released, like, and I haven't seen either one, but one of them was released, like, mid, like, when it was the most popular fucking thing in the world, they put one of the movies yeah. out. So yeah, they really, the, the casting, the casts, the guest cast is insane. Uh, Brad Dourif played uh, basically a Chucky slash Exorcist 3 Brad Dourif character in one episode. Vince Gilligan uh, also, Vince Gilligan. Yeah, uh, his, his OG show, I think. Vince um, and... I mean, uh, like Felicity Huffman was in an episode with uh, a, uh, an, another character actor who I, I did. It's, it's endless. I, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, so that is what we're watching. Let us know what you're watching and let us know what you want to see us watch during this quarantine. We have all the. Let me tell you guys what to not watch. Oh my God. Kim, you didn't even tell us. You're good. You're good. I have to advise all of our listeners before we get off. Do not watch Spencer Confidential on Netflix. This is the new Mark Wahlberg film. Yeah, it's like, oh, I yeah. got trapped. <laughs> I got trapped on what is today? So Thursday. So on Tuesday night, I got trapped. I was I I got high. I watched the trailer <laughs> for this film on Netflix, and it looked like the greatest shit ever. So I, I cut the movie on. And I watched like thirty minutes of it. I'm like, yo, this shit is like incredible. But I, I like passed out. So I woke up the next morning. I was like, yo, let me finish this movie. Like, it, it was, like, fucking hilarious and action, everything, even Post Malone's. And, like, I'm watching it. And, like, it's incredible how different the movie is. When I'm <laughs> like, it, it, is it, it really might be one of the worst movies I've seen. Like, I completely agree. Ever. Like, it is horrible. What is it about? What is it, what is it about? He's a cop who got framed for... For I can't remember what exactly he was framed. He's just know he's a cop that got framed. He had to go do like five years in prison. He gets out, ah. and it's like 
he gets out of he gets out of prison, Mark Wahlberg, and he immediately is trying to go and and like take down the cops who wronged him pretty much because they're in they're in cahoots with the cartel pretty much and some other people. It it's it's nonsensical. It it should not <laughs> it, it, it whoever wrote the script green with the movie, like they need to be arrested and put in jail. Like this that's, is that's what's so surprising because Pete Berg, who is a, a legitimate psychopath. Like, at least, much like Michael Bay, he will, he'll make these sort of pornographically violent movies, but, like, the action will at least be good. So it's like, okay, I'm watching a dumb movie, but at least the spectacle is there. There's yeah. no good action here. Even, like, Mark Wahlberg's, no. like, fist fight scenes look terrible. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> nothing works. Like, uh, so, Winston Duke is in it, and, like, he's yeah. a strong guy, but, like, he's, he has nothing to do. It's, it's the weirdest no. movie I've ever seen. Uh, so don't watch Spencer Confidential. That is our. Uh, <laughs> that is, do that is not watch Spencer Confidential. Actually, actually, don't watch All Day and Tomorrow either. All Night and Tomorrow, whatever that movie is on Netflix, <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, yeah, but yeah, those are our Netflix do not watches. Thank you, yeah, guys, for listening. So I think we just missed we just missed doing this so much. That's why we won't let you guys go. But thank you guys for <laughs> listening to Late Fees once again. It has been an honor. We will be back to you. Uh, I, I'm looking at Pat because I, I, whenever we'll, I say this, we'll, I don't want to. We'll wanna... make it. We'll make it. Listen, I, I'll t- I'll say this. I'm I'm here by myself. I will not offend or bother anyone with the content that I put on the screen or that I talk about on mic. I think I'm the <laughs> only one in a situation like that. Uh, other people are living in close quarters with people who uh, might not want to be watching six hours of Underworld in a day. I understand this. <laughs> I understand. I, it's fine. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, walk, please. We'll, we'll come up with uh, we'll come up with some good stuff. Absolutely. So until next time, uh, the remote video store is closed. Wash your hands. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. Tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. And this is how you remind me.